Hey, well, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We're here with our good friend, Justin Krohn from the Kesher Project. Justin, hello. Justin. Hey, Matt, Ron, good to, to be with you guys. Yeah, um, so we're all, I mean, really all, all of our friends and all of our circles, we are talking about, yep, we were supposed to be in Israel today. Uh, we're going to be there next week. We're waiting for after the high holy days and then kind of the, the ground opens up again and it's a beautiful time to go to Israel right now. The weather is perfect. We were looking forward to being there. And now we've all changed our plans. We're rescheduling. We're looking at what's next. But um, you're part of that experience. Um, you've been leading trips to Israel for yeah. years and years and years. Yeah, this was going to be my 30th trip. I was super excited about getting to that kind of milestone. Uh, and then similar to, to you, you know, I woke up Saturday morning and was getting alerts on my phone. My wife it was getting news alerts on her phone. She read hers first and she said, um, I just read something that said like 200 Israelis have been killed in an attack. And my mind immediately went like, she's got to be misreading that. That, that, that cannot be possible. Uh, and sure enough, you know, as I opened up the, the news channels, uh, that's exactly what had occurred. And, I just started getting, you know, a lot of messages from group members. I'm sure, you know, Matt, you too, of uh, group members just concerned about what was going on. And and so then every, everything changed. And, uh, you know, here we are now just trying to figure out what the future is, is going to look like, not so much for, for our tour groups, um, although that is a part of it, but I think our hearts are all uh, wondering, you know, what does the future hold for, for Israel? Yeah. So how does Israel get to this point? Um, and, and this is the question that we'll probably be repeating and we'll want to be able to hear from a, a variety of different people. And, you know, the, the saying is true that we have two Jews and we'll have three opinions, but um, we want to be able to like what you, you have extensively spent a lot of time there. Um, and one of the projects that you have done uh, is, is a movie called uh, Hope in the Holy Land. And uh, and really turning that into an episodic series that is is underway. You have talked to Israelis, you have talked to Palestinians, and are very well versed with this. Um, but how do we get here? And and the the follow up later on will be how do we get out of this? But how did how did we get hmm. here? Yeah, I've I've had the pleasure, as you've mentioned, of being able to work on a film project that brought uh, me and. My good uh, friend Todd Moorhead and and our crew over uh, to Israel on three separate trips over three years uh, to capture footage uh, and, and to spend time with both Israelis and Palestinians and asking questions about their view on their neighbors, their view on on the conflict and and why they think uh, it exists. And of course, we you know did a lot of our own homework as well um, into all of these trips of just. Um, you know, just reading books and, and articles and just wanting to get educated uh, and just understanding more of, of why the conflict exists. And, you know, there's a part of me that wants to say, watch the film um, and, and you'll get a much fuller answer than, than what you may get from me here uh, in, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. But, you know, at, at the core, it is an ideological battle. Um, some like to say it's it's geopolitical, and I think on its surface it is. 
but at its core, it's, it's ideological. And I believe that ideology can often be influenced by whatever it is your theology is. And a significant influencer with, within the conflict, sadly, is radical Islam. I do think some people want to avoid talking about that. Um, I'm going to guess most of your your listeners uh, aren't don't don't want to avoid that. That they probably see that too. I, and I'm, so I'm not going to give a different answer than what probably many people who are listening already believe. But there are many within the Palestinian society uh, who believe that because the territory, the land, had been controlled at one point by Muslims, that it is forever under Islamic sovereignty, and that any other non-Islamic sovereignty that comes in and takes control of it is now the infidel. They're, they're the invader. And that, that goes to, that goes, Justin, to any lands that they may have possessed in the past and now are not in possession of, but they still view it as theirs. It's, it seems that the narrative that constantly gets played is uh, that issue of human rights, wouldn't you say? Yeah, very, very, very much so. And so it's it's become this this battle for the the rights of the supposed uh, suffering or, or even innocent Palestinian people. Um, and and I think it's very important to be clear. I think even some. Uh, some Christians, some of your listeners may be confused on this point. There was never a sovereign state called Palestine. It was a province. It was a territory of the uh, former Turkish Ottoman Empire. Um, And it was actually governed from uh, Damascus. Sometimes it was referred to as southern Syria, Uh, So there was never a president or a prime minister of the state of Palestine um, prior to to 1948 or even really after 1948, unless you want to consider uh, Yasser Arafat or now Mahmoud Abbas as as the president um, of, of this supposed state. But that never existed. So it's not like the United Nations or uh the, the Jews came in and stole someone's sovereign territory. And I think that's really important to understand. And back in 1947, the United Nations 
uh, made a decision that I think was a, a good decision at that time, which was to partition what was called Mandate Palestine into two separate states, one Jewish state, one Arab state. The Jews, of course, as we know, accepted what was given to them, the sliver of their ancestral homeland that was given to them. Uh, and then the Arabs rejected um, having another Arab state in that territory, right? So, right. Already a ton of them. There was al- already already several. Um, you know, and, and just prior to that time, you had the states of Lebanon that had been created, uh, Syria that was under the French mandate, and then the British mandate. You had Jordan that was created, and, and then Israel, and then there should have been an Arab state, which they could have called whatever they wanted to call it. So where did Palestine come from? And, and you know, you'll even see in some older books that Canaan, the land of Israel, is called Palestine. I know the answer to this. Love for you to help <laughs> teach us some of that. Where did Palestine come yeah, from? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a gross uh, mistake and um, rewriting, really, of, of history. Uh, it, it was never called Palestine during the time of Jesus or even before the time of Jesus. Uh, you, you know, just read the, the, the New Testament text itself. You will never find the word Palestine in it. You, you might find it in some maps in the back of the Bible uh, that were, you know, added, um, not inspired by the Holy Spirit, um, but unfortunately inspired by, by man. Uh, who decided to take the name that the Romans gave to the territory in the in the second century, um, where they renamed it uh, Syria Palestina or just you know Palestine, to attempt to erase the memory of the Jewish people from that territory, uh, and of course got the name from the, the Jews' uh, ancient uh, enemies, the the Philistines. And, and so that's where that's where the name comes from. I think it's also interesting. I think we should know that prior to 1948, uh, when uh, Mandate Palestine was there, or, or even the province of, of Palestine, when people referred to Palestine, most people thought of it as a Jewish territory, that that was the land of the Jews. Palestinians, Jews were often referred to as Palestinians. Mm. Um and so Arabs in that territory didn't start referring to themselves as Palestinians until the 1960s, which I think was a very strategic attempt to uh, create this narrative that we're in the midst of today. And there are so many of their own people that were really subjugated uh, to, you know, to this movement, you know, where, uh, you know, they suffered at the hands of those who you know, wanted to take on that identity and challenge uh, Israel, who was in the land. Yeah, um, they, they are trying to present a, a picture that they're the original inhabitants uh, of the land, uh, that that there's um, a history, that there's a, a Palestinian history that, that predates, um, you know, 1948, um, so just it's it's a lot of rewriting of, of history, and and unfortunately there's people who believe it, um, and I can understand if you do adopt some of those new facts uh, 
that it, it can appear as if Israel has or the Jews have invaded someone else's territory and, and has been pushing and trying to kick out the the original inhabitants. But listen, I, you guys have been there. I've I've been there. There is plenty of room uh, uh, for both people to peacefully coexist. In fact, that's pretty much what's already happening in the state of Israel. A twenty percent, approximately twenty percent of Israel's population today, citizens of Israel, are are Arabs. Most most of whom are Muslims. Uh, they enjoy living in Israel. They they worship freely. Some have even chosen to serve in the IDF. I think that's important to note too. Uh, as as the uh, Israel military mobilizes, you know, I, you know, right now as we're talking, you know, there's been a buildup on the a Gaza border. There's a potential land invasion uh, that's that's going to occur. It's very likely, very possible that some of those soldiers are Muslims, are, are Arab, uh, and I, I think we we need to to understand more of who Israel is. That it is a democracy, that it does have the freedom of religion, uh, and there's there's great plurality that exists uh, within the country. That doesn't mean that racism doesn't exist there. I mean it, that exists in every country. That doesn't mean that there's not a polarization of, of political views that, that might exist, just as we have here in the United States. But for all practical purposes, it, it is the freest country uh, in the Middle East and one of the freest countries in the world. So uh, you and I, we both know Palestinians. I was talking to a, a Palestinian Christian in Bethlehem who's a friend of ours and um, you know, even asked, like, hey, would he want to have a conversation here on a podcast. And he said, really for him, it's just much too dangerous for him to show up to anything like that. But um, uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback on our social media channels, people asking questions and, and really good, like sincere questions, um, questions from Christians about, uh, hey, I, I see what you're writing. I agree with with what you're saying. Uh, I understand what the Bible says, um, but I have friends who are Palestinians and they're looking at this and they don't know. And And so maybe even help to divide and parse out when we say the Palestinians um, that don't want to paint them with a brush that they're all bad, they're all evil, that there are people that are are stuck in there. There are people who uh, are not jihadist Islamic terrorists that want to, you know, blow up everybody in Israel. But having talked to them, having met them, um, who are the people who are living in the West Bank? Who are the people who are living uh, in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, so I think it's it's good to to know that, and I'm glad you brought this up. It's not just that there are Israelis and Palestinians, and, and the Israelis are one way, and the Palestinians are another way. It's really the the two groups of people we need to uh, be parsing out is that there are those who are pro peace, and there are those who are not. Okay, um, there are those who are for peaceful coexistence, and there are those who are not. And that exists on both sides. Now, the percentage not may not be the same uh, on on both sides, but we we need to know, especially as we talk about the Palestinian people, that there are those who do accept Israel's right to exist. Unfortunately, they cannot, just like your friend, they can't come on a podcast like this and say that, especially if they live under the the Palestinian Authority or if they live in Gaza, which is controlled by Hamas. Um, if they do that, 
it, it's not just that their lives might be made more uncomfortable, right? Um, like like uh, some of us here in the United States, we might feel uncomfortable if we were to share our political views about about something, and so we might you know kind of keep it quiet. Um, for them, it it's not just about discomfort; it could be about the loss of their actual lives or, or the lives of, of family members. There is no uh, free uh, free speech. Free speech does not exist within those territories, uh, even if they say something or like if you were to post something on your social media page that's deemed antagonistic towards uh, Mahmoud Abbas or or the Palestinian Authority or whoever, you can be thrown in prison. And and there are plenty of document documented cases, recent cases uh, of that. And unless you're an Arab that's living in Israel proper and you can say whatever you want, right? Right. You could say you can say whatever you want. Uh, and really important for people to, to know that and and important too, that there are Palestinians who live in these territories who even right now in this moment do not support what Hamas and the Islamic Jihad are doing. And, and one of my hopes, one of my, one of my prayers is that some of these people might become so disgusted by what they see their, their neighbors doing that it will cause them to not not only reject entirely uh, Hamas and the Islamic Jihad and, and what they stand for, but that it might open their hearts to, and turn their hearts uh, to, to, to the Lord, to, to the God of all hope, um, and realize there, there's something fundamentally wrong with, with Islam and that we need to consider that, you know, there's... There's another answer. There's another way, and there's another truth. And frankly, his name is Jesus. Yeah, you know, when I think about it, uh, what we were talking about earlier, how there seems to be a progression beginning in 1947 and then 1952 and 56 and 67 and 1973 and all the way up to today, all of these battles and all of these wars, and we know how it ends, you know, God wins, but you know, how would you treat this in terms of where it's going and the possibilities of peace in this area when we know, on the other hand, that things are going to get progressively worse? Yeah. Uh, and, and in this uh, war right now, it, it will get worse, I believe, before it gets better. Um, I don't know if I've already said this, uh, but, but what we are seeing right now really is just a continuation of the official war that started back in 1947-48. This is just a, another flare-up of it. You know, we've, we've seen it with the, uh, the Six-Day War in 1967, the, the Yom Kippur War in, in 73. We've seen it with the First Intifada. We've seen it with the Second Intifada. Uh, we've seen it with... Um, uh, conflicts between Israel and, and Hamas from Gaza over the last several years. It seems like it's every two or three years that there's a flare-up. Now, I will say this one right now is is one of the biggest ever in in this timeline. Uh, people have been asking, like, can you compare it to some of the previous conflicts? I, I'm, I've tried. I think maybe the best comparison might be the, the Yom Kippur War, which was a surprise attack 
Um, but that was more of a conventional type war where you had armies from Egypt and from Syria invading uh, Israel. Um, no civilians at that time in that entire uh, conflict, which lasted, I believe, a couple of weeks. No civilians were killed in in one day. At the, the, the first day of this conflict, um, I think that the numbers are now coming in at around six to seven hundred Israeli civilians. Over seven hundred, maybe. Uh, yeah, over seven hundred, and they're saying it's the worst day of loss of life amongst Israel since the Holocaust in one day. I don't even know how to put words, really, to that. Um, so it this this is this is bad, and so the question is like, well, where does this go? I do think that Israel is at a point is kind of come to a breaking point where it's okay. We can't allow this to continue to happen, so we need to completely destroy Hamas and Islamic Jihad. We might be going back to a time of where Israel uh, controlled that territory. Uh, as they did between 1967 and 2005 when they disengaged um, and, and handed that territory completely over um, to, yeah. Um, it's, I think it should be noted that uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at that time, who was in 2005, who was not the prime minister at that time, warned that this would be the outcome if, if Israel withdrew. From that territory, and and sadly, his prophecy or whatever you want to call it, his prediction, is is coming to pass. Yeah, I've um, had the same thoughts. With with all of that said, uh, I I try to find hope in in that there has been a movement within the Middle East of accepting Israel's right to exist, of accepting Israeli sovereignty. Um, we've we've seen this in particular with the Abraham Accords. Uh, we've seen discussions, uh, at least they're, they've, now they're being talked about publicly. I think they've been going on for a while, but um, discussions between Israel and Saudi Arabia, uh, a peace agreement, a normalization maybe even agreement. So not just like, hey, we're going to agree that we no longer want to try to wipe you off the map or something, but we actually want to have a real relationship where your people can come to our country and our people can go to your country. Uh, this is what we've seen with the Abraham Accords that were signed uh, a few years ago. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'd like to, to think that we are moving towards the possibility of greater uh, peace um, and, and that, that um, those agreements could put additional pressure on the Palestinians, the, particularly the Palestinian, Palestinian Authority, um, to accept and to come to terms with Israel's not going anywhere. And so we, we need to lead our people um, to accepting Israel's uh, place on the map. But I, I do think, though, just based on my personal experience with Palestinians, we're, we're still a very long way um, from that time coming. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Justin, it's been said by some that the closeness of the relationship that Israel has been building with the Saudis may have been something that actually touched off, you know, in Iran, a discomfort that said they've got to quash this right now. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, Iran's the, the one who's got the most to lose. 
by a peace agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia being um, an enemy of, of Iran. They don't get along. They never have. Uh, and so, yeah, I do think that uh, Iran is, is very, very much behind uh, the current conflict uh, and, and previous ones involving Hamas, uh, because Iran is the one who's been funding Hamas. I mean, if you've been watching the news, uh, you know, it's not like they were doing this with uh, uh, stones, you know, or, or slingshots. I mean, they were using real weapons. You know, they've been using rockets for several years now. These things do significant damage. And, um, you know, that, that needs to be funded by someone. And, and that money has come through mostly through Iran. And let's also be honest, it's also come through a lot of the humanitarian aid uh, that the UAE and, and the United States has given that we haven't held them accountable to how they've used it. Um, they've received more money then under the Marshall Plan following World War II that helped to rebuild Europe, um, they could have taken all of the money that they've received, all the aid that they've received, and built a thriving metropolis uh, in the territory of, of Gaza along what could be a beautiful beachfront community. I mean, they could have turned it into Miami Beach um, and a city uh, as big as, as Miami itself, um, if they had wanted to, but they haven't. And, and they were given this territory in 2005. In 2006, they had an election. Mahmoud Abbas was elected. And so you have Hamas in charge, and they've never really had another election since then or a government since then, a different one. They don't even have an economy themselves. No, no, they sure don't. Um, and... I, I do think it's important to note that the, the people in Gaza did elect, um, you know, Hamas in, into power when they had elections, you know, years ago. And polls have been done that if there was an election again today, they would still vote Hamas in, into power. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the same same situation is happening in the, the Palestinian Authority which controls uh, the West Bank or the, the Palestinian territories within the territory, often referred to as the West Bank, Judea, Samaria, um, as, as Jews uh, would know it. Um, and uh, there's also great division that exists uh, between uh, Fatah, which is the ruling party of the Palestinian Authority, and Hamas. Uh, they rarely, if ever, see, see eye to eye. Um, you know, and these are some of the, you know, the complexities or the layers of the of the conflict that, you know, you're not going to get in a in a three minute news report about the conflict. You know, so this is why I think it's very, very helpful. Do your homework. We try to help people do their homework through, uh, you know, creating the, the documentary, um, Hope in the Holy Land. Um, you know, it's it's about two hours long. Uh, it, it covers a lot of the issues, and I think it'll be very helpful. I, you know, I, I would like to think that this, if there's any time um, in history, um, there's no better time than the present to do your homework, to to watch a film like this, to to read books. We've just so you know, on the Hope in the Holy uh, Land website, we have a whole resource section 
of other books and, and videos and films that we think are helpful, um, go. I mean, please watch it or read, read whatever you need to, to read. Encourage your friends to do this too, because I guarantee you they, they all have questions. They all have questions. Yeah, we will direct them to this documentary and to the resources. This is great, Justin. And so what was the website for that, Justin? Yeah, so same name as the film. Um, so it's hopeintheholyland.com. Uh, if if you need additional motivation to uh, spend the few dollars to rent it on Prime Video or one of the other streaming platforms, it did win the Gold Crown Award uh, a couple of years ago, which is essentially the equivalent to the Golden Globe Award in the Christian film industry. Um, so, yeah, we, we're proud of that. Uh, um, that's not why, that's certainly not why we made the, the film, um, but we're, we're grateful that people have appreciated uh, the, the work that we did. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll get uh, similar feedback with the uh, series that we're, that we're working on. I'll encourage those who are listening to watch that. It will. And what I love is that you guys are walking around, you're having conversations with real life people. This is not sitting down with all of the diplomats and government spokespeople who have their talking points all lined up, but you're on the street. You're walking around. You are having conversations, you and Todd. And it's a phenomenal way to be able to look at this and say, these are the real people. These are the real places. And these are the things that are coming out of their mouth. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, I, I want people to know, too, that they're not going to watch a film that demonizes the, the Palestinians. Um there, there are uh, many incredible Palestinian uh, Arabs. Uh, you'll see them. You'll meet them in the film. Um, and unfortunately, as I've already said, I think what's happened is that there are some uh, within that society who have been radicalized uh, by, frankly, a very demonic ideology. And so that's what we're confronting. We're, we're not confronting flesh and blood. We're, we're confronting the the principalities, the, the, the rulers uh, of this world. Yeah, you're not demonizing all of the Palestinians. No, Not at all, no. Justin, I'm curious. I know the documentary is called Hope in the Holy Land, but do you have hope for peace in the Holy Land? Uh, listen, um, true peace will not occur until the Messiah returns. However, that is not an excuse to not advocate for peace before that time comes. Um, we need to be supporting those who are building bridges, who are breaking down walls, who are loving their neighbors, loving their, learning to love their enemies. That does exist there. Um, listen, uh, you know, Jesus said that uh, in, in the end days, that there was going to be increased lawlessness in, in the world, right? Which I think we're seeing plenty of that uh, today. But does, does that mean that just because there's going to be a, an increase in lawlessness in the world that we shouldn't advocate for, for justice, that we uh, shouldn't hold people accountable to, to the law, that we shouldn't be working on that, those kind of things? Um, should we just throw out all the courts and say, okay, well, this let everybody be lawless? No, of course not. So, you know, same, same thing when it comes to the conflict between Arabs and Jews uh, in the Holy Land. Uh, we, we need to be supporting those who are trying to uh, build peace 
um, with one another. Justin, thanks for showing up here today. I messaged you this morning and said, hey, can you jump on? And wanted to just see if you were available. And I appreciate you making this move real quickly for us. So again, check out hopeintheholyland.com. And you can also see what he's doing at thekesherproject.com. I'll put both of those links in the notes as well. But hey, friend, good to see you. I'll be praying for you and that you will continue to get the word out. And we will be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. So thank you, Justin.